Come on, it's great to be in the house of God this morning. You can take your seats, take your seats. It's an honor for me to be here today, C3 Powerhouse. Pastor Dan, Pastor Ebony, thank you so much again for having me. We're just new friends, but I believe it's the beginning of something special. Uh, my, my heritage is actually partly is C3. I grew up in C3 in uh, Adelaide in, in a place called Glenelg. I don't know if anyone knows that, but my, my dad was a, a C3 pastor uh, all those years ago. It's actually where I got filled with the Holy Spirit. In that place. And I'll tell you, actually, I'm going to tell you a bit about that story. Uh, but before we get it, I just want to say thank you, band. Thank you so much. And I want to encourage you this morning that God is healing the sick. That miracles still happen. They're happening today. They're happening across our nation. Not just some faraway planet, not just some faraway uh, island, not just some faraway country, not just on TikTok, not just on Twitter, not just on, uh, you know, Instagram reels. God heals people here in Melbourne, in Australia, come on, in each capital city, His hand is moving and touching the nations. I want to get you excited today and encouraged today because God still heals. I just received a text message just recently about a guy I prayed for in Adelaide who had three blocked arteries. He said, as soon as I prayed for him on the front of the altar, chest pains left him. He was booked in to have surgery that week, but the surgeon, after doing three scans, found no blocked arteries. The surgeon, dumbfounded, said, how can this happen? Arteries don't just open on their own. What have you done? He said, well, I went to a prayer service and a pastor prayed for me. And he said, then the pain left me. And he's scratching his head and he said, Damien, let me tell you something. Arteries don't just open on their own. So this must be a miracle. The surgeon confirmed it. Only two days ago, I received another text message from a man in Adelaide that said that you prayed for me. And he goes, I've just done my last scan. It will be my last scan for good. I'm completely free of leukemia for the first time in my life. Come on, give God all the praise. He still heals. It's not just on a physical level, but on a spiritual level. Not just on a spiritual level, but on a mental level. I've seen so many people healed of anxiety, bipolar. A girl just wrote to me, a pastor of a church, battled depression and anxiety her whole life and on medication. She said as soon as she came out the front and I prayed this prayer for her, she was set free. She's been set free from that moment can happen in a moment just with one prayer Jesus said with but a word what's that word set free healed delivered I don't know what's the word but he's healing people today amen he's healing people today he's touching lives today and I want to encourage you because he wants to use you it's not just me it's not just a preacher or or a pastor he wants to use you Every single person here has a mandate, has a calling, has an anointing. The Bible says, for you've been given an anointing from the Holy One. You're anointed. You know all things now. You've been anointed. You've been called and appointed. Moses, as amazing as he was, and we honor him, he's not here anymore. Ezekiel, Elijah, 
Elisha. We could go through the whole Bible. We could name every single person, Peter, Paul, Silas, John, as incredible. Elizabeth, Ruth. We could keep going all through the Word. We could even talk about the recent generals, couldn't we? We could talk about Billy Graham. We could talk about Reinhard Bonnke. Africa will be saved. We could, talk, we could talk about all of them and go through. Incredible. As the men and women of God, as they were, they're not here anymore. You're here. You're here. Come on, touch your neighbor and say you're here. You're here today. Touch your other neighbor and say God wants to use you. He wants to use you, your hands, your feet, your mouth. Come on, to bring about a move of God. Hallelujah, I'm excited. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. I'm getting very excited. I'm going st- <laughs> to, I feel like doing more Reinhardt Bonnke. That's how excited I am. Heaven populated and hell blended. I can do anyone you want, really, if you just, if you, if you put requests in. But today, I, I want to preach to you a message that changed my life. It's called The Well. And in Luke 11, verse 1, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. I mean, they could have asked any question, but they asked this one question. Teach us how to pray. You've got to think about this for a moment because these are disciples of Jesus. They've walked with Jesus for three years. They're young men. They've grown up learning the Torah, Jewish customs and laws. That means they could quote the first five books of the Bible verbatim, by memory, they knew the Word. They knew in a God that they were taught about, but yet this one thing they don't understand. There's this one thing that they haven't yet grasped. It's this, teach us how to pray. Teach us how, I I, I don't know if you could put yourself in their shoes for a moment and think, well, if I was there, If I walked with Jesus, if I talked with Jesus, if I saw all the miracles that He did, what would I ask? What would you ask Jesus? I know one of the first things I would ask, Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. I I mean, it could come quite, I love fishing, could get me into some spots that I could surf without a board, go in wintertime in Melbourne because it's freezing. You know, there's so many different things you could teach. I I know every single Christmas, my grandfather had a pool and and each year I said, this is the year. If you grew up in church, you'd understand. I'm a PK and I'm pastor's kid, fourth generation, Pentecostal pastor's kid. And so each year I built up the courage. I announced it to the whole family. This is the year I'm going to walk on water. Get ready. Here I go. Here I go. Here I go. Ready, mum? Watch. And I'd go in. I'm like, okay, Lord, fast approach. So I'm going to go as quick as I can, get as many steps in. I get like three steps and start sinking. And I'll be like, all right, back to baptizing my sister in the corner of the pool again. That's all we had. I don't know if you know this about me, but I I grew up in church. I went to prayer meetings, not parties. I mean, my whole life, there was a few things in my life that we weren't allowed to do. We would get in trouble if we did these things. And one of them was we weren't allowed to be sick in my household. I mean, it was, anyone grow up in this house? If my mom knew that I was sick, if she heard a slightest sneeze or a cough coming from the other room, she would, you would hear the thunderous steps of the Lord. I mean, my mom coming down 
the hallway. She wouldn't knock on the door. She wouldn't ask me if I'm okay. Friends used to say this. Their mother would say, are you all right? No, she would kick the door down. It would whack the wall and then bounce back in her face. And I'd be praying, Lord, why did you let the door hit her in the face? It's only going to get worse. She said, what's the matter with you? And I said, I don't feel good. <laughs> Mummy, tell me. Owie. Yeah, I was 27. And um, <laughs> you got to turn it on for your mothers, if you know what I mean. And she'd be like, not in my house. She would make a beeline for the pantry. She would grab out the olive oil. She would come back to my bedroom. She would douse me in oil. Lay hands on me. You're not staying home. You're going to school. Anyone grow up like this? I mean, her name is Karen. I don't know if that's got... I'm not sure if that's a coincidence, if it's got anything to do with it. It's a little extra. <laughs> and so I grew up having this understanding of the power of God. I'd seen God move. I, I'd seen uh, people manifest, but I'd never seen anybody healed. And, and i never seen someone instantly healed. I remember getting filled with the Holy Spirit. It was at C3 Church in Adelaide. We had an evangelist come, just like today. <laughs> and I was up the back with my sister. Name's Lisa. She's, she was eight and I was six. And the evangelist said at the very beginning, if anyone wants prayer, well, my parents were very, like, go. If they, if they ask you for prayer, you go. And so me and Lisa held hands. They said, if you want, want to feel, be filled with the Holy Spirit, come down now. And I said, do you want to go? I'll go if you go. She said, yes, let's go. We walked down the front. I got to about here, and it was like a lightning bolt out of heaven hit me. Poof, all I saw was a flash of white, and I went flying back about three rows. Actually, I think the more times I tell the story, the more rows it gets. But it was, it was at least three rows under the power of God. And I start flopping like a fish out of water, gasping on the, on the floor like this. I couldn't control it. Something grabbed a hold of me. The power of God was on my life. I start speaking in an unknown tongue. My chin starts wagging like this. I can't help it. It's happening. The whole service goes on. The praise and worship goes on. The announcements, the tithes and offerings, the welcome goes on. I'm still out the front like this. Like this. The preaching goes on. The altar call goes on. Tea and bickies in the foyer go on. Supper after the service. And my dad thinks, you know what, we should probably go home. And here I am, still out the front, completely exposed to the elements. It's before they had those little courtesy blankets. I had nothing. Takes me home, puts me in the car the whole way from the, uh, Glenelg in Adelaide all the way back to my house in the south of Adelaide. I still, like this the whole way. My dad said I was as stiff as the board. I said, so you could say I was the first person to blank? He said, yes. My abs haven't changed since. But I, I uh, put me in bed somewhere between the house, from the car to the house. He said, I laid my hand on his head and said, Father, fill him with fire. I was six years old. Something happens to you when the power of God gets on your life. You changed forever. They tucked me in bed and I still cannot stop shaking. You know what's funny about this? Not at one point does my mum think, you know what, we should call the on-call nurse or doctor 
just to find out what's wrong with our son. No, no. If this wasn't happening in a Pentecostal home, something was wrong. No, instead, they didn't call nobody. They just prophesied over me. Here I am, lying in bed. No, he's called. He's chosen. He's going to, no, he's going to preach to the nations. No, he's going to travel. The, uh, he's going to, it's true what they say. Holy Ghost does not sleep. Doesn't rest. I wake up, I go all night like this. Wake up in the morning. It's like I've been in a Benny Hinn, uh, Rodney Howard Brown, Tim Hall, David Hall, crusade. All four of them. I came out like, I don't know if you remember what it was like to be totally wiped out by the power of the Holy Spirit, but I was like that. I was walking around like this. All I wanted to do was eat my Fruit Loops. I'm giggling. I'm laughing. I'm falling off my stool. I'm six years old. You know what my parents think? Be a great idea. Send me to school like this. So I turn up to school, six years old, drunk in the spirit. And, and, and you know what happens when you're six years old, Monday morning, first thing at school, what happens? Show and tell. My name's Daniel Bates, DB. It's always first on the roll. So they said, DB, Daniel Bates, come up here and share with us what happened on the weekend. So I get up and usually it was something trivial, like I'd eaten an apple or I get up today. Today was different. I felt the anointing, just a check in my spirit. I get up there and I take that pulpit. I mean, the front of the school. I said, lift your hands to heaven. The fire of God's here. Father, now. Fill him. Skitty bop bop boom. And... My dad gets a phone call. The principal calls dad. It was a uniting church school that I went to. And he said, there's been an incident school today. He said, your son was, uh, was uh, practicing, um, practicing glossolalia. If you don't know what that means, it means speaking tongues in Greek. Practicing speaking in tongues in the classroom. He said, yes, what's the problem? My dad being a third-generation Pentecostal pastor, what's the problem? He says, well, we don't actually believe that. We don't believe that it's, uh, it's for today. It's not actually for today. It, it died out when John, the apostle John, died on the island of Patmos, that the apostolic age was the end of miracles, signs, wonders on the earth. And it's finished then, and you can feel, you can see the steam coming out of my dad's nose and ears and eyes and every single orifice he has on his face. It, it is boiling in him. He say, say what? He says, you need to tell your son that that's not real. <laughs> my dad, filled with the fire of God, says, you tell him. He's six years old. He's never been taught this. He's never been shown this. He doesn't know how to act this out. He goes, he is filled with the fire of God. And something changes in your life when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll never be the same again. And I'm telling you, C3 Powerhouse, we need a generation 
that's unashamed about the fire of God, that's unashamed about the power of God. Because what happens when the fire of God comes upon you, I'm telling you, it is the power to see. What does Romans 1.16 say? It says, for, the, for, the, for I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power to salvation. You want to see people saved? You want to see them healed? You want to see them set free and delivered? Be unashamed about it. It's the power. Once that power gets on your life, you'll never be the same again. And so this question, it's been with me my whole life. Teach me how to pray, Lord. Teach me how to pray. How is it that your word says all these things? Miracles, signs, wonders. But I've never seen one. Mark 16 has got to be one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, especially when it does the Great Commission, talks about going all the world, preach the gospel to every creation. Then it goes on, it says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. The signs, the five signs given to the church. It says you'll cast out demons, you'll speak in other tongues, you'll take up deadly serpents, you'll drink substances that will not harm you, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Yet I hadn't seen one of these signs operating in my life except for the tongues. I'd seen other people cast out demons, but I hadn't seen people healed. I hadn't seen God move on this level. So I asked God this question, what is it? What, I'm a believer. And he said, son, do you really want to know? I said, yes. He said, well, you're an unbelieving believer. He said, you're like what James says in James 1. You're a hearer of the word, but not a doer. I, I said, Lord, but you've got to understand, I remind him of my heritage again and, and how, how amazing it is. And, and, and that I, I, I'm a pastor of a church and I preach every Sunday. He goes, yes, but when was the last time you did it? When was the last time you stepped out in faith? Not just said that something that can't be seen, it's not tangible in front of people, that your heart condition, your mind will be healed and restored. No, how about somebody get out of that wheelchair? When are you going to pray for something and believe? Stand on the Word and believe that it can be done. I said, Lord, I... I I'm like the man in, the, in that Matthew 17 where he says, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Teach me, Lord. What is it I need to do? What is the answer? I'll take you back to that first statement. Teach me how to pray. Teach us how to pray. If you could ask Jesus any question today, what would it be? Teach me how to pray, Lord. And here I am. I'm, I'm in this place called Morwell. I don't know if anyone's ever heard about it. It's a little town in, in Gippsland. Has anyone heard about it? Oh, two, th three, four people. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You, it's a miracle. You've made it out. <laughs> Not many of us make it out. Uh, once you go there, you're stuck. It's the upside down. And, um, uh, and, and I, I passed it there for quite a season. And, and at the time, I had this more mind fire. And God spoke to me. In this moment, and he said, Daniel, it's time to redig the wells. And I said, Lord, I don't know what wells. He said, The wells of your fathers. I said, What fathers? My earthly fathers? And he said, No, 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 no. The fathers that started the Pentecostal movement in Australia. Any in fact, any father 
any mother, any, any move of God that's ever started on this planet, any revival that's ever started, started with prayer, started with a prayer meeting, started with a prayer service, started with somebody devoting their life to a life of prayer. See, here's what I believe. So many people say this, God's doing a new thing. I actually don't believe that. He's not doing a new thing. He's redigging old things with new people. He says to me, redig the wells of prayer over Australia again. You want to see this nation saved. You want to see it washed in the blood. You want to see people healed and delivered. Then it's time to redig the wells of prayer. And he led me to this passage of Scripture, Genesis 26, verse 18. It says here, And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of, of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. It's time to redig the wells. You see, the Philistines represent the enemy, an enemy. And each of us have a common enemy, Satan, the devil. And his job, it says in John 10.10, for the enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy, right? But Jesus has come to bring life and life more abundantly, a life to the full. The enemy comes for one thing and one thing only. It's to rob you. It's to kill you. It's to destroy you. It's to stop up the things of God in your life. But you and I have a job, just like Isaac and his servant. You and I have a job. It's to redig the wells. And if you look up your commentary, it says Isaac and his servant redug the wells on their hands and knees. With their hands, with sticks, with whatever they had around them. And if you've ever gone through a season of prayer and fasting, this is what it feels like. Handfuls of mud, handfuls of clay. And I remember locking myself away, devoting and saying, this, this is the day I'm going to start. I'm going to start praying. See, I thought I grew up Pentecostal. I knew how to pray. But it wasn't until I asked, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. I go into this prayer closet. And I don't know if you've ever done this. I lock myself away in the church and I put my alarm clock on. And I said, I'm going for an hour. Has anyone ever done this? Doing an hour. That's it. Going for it. And I put it on. I start pacing up and down the platform. Father God, Lord God. Lord God, Father God, Father God, Lord God, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Which one do you prefer? Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost sounds more powerful. Holy Ghost. And I get this rebuke, son, what are you doing? I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm just mentioning your names, you know, entering your courts with praise and thanks. He says, son, stop it. I'll be like, okay, Holy Ghost, it is then. And then all of a sudden I'm captured by a blowfly that's trying to exit the back window, but it came through the door. Why can't it just work out that if it just drops down a little bit and it can find its exit? And then I go, surely it's been 35 minutes and it's been three minutes and 87 seconds. And, and I'm, <laughs> has anyone ever been in this moment? And you have to rebuke, you have to, you have to go, listen, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. Let's start again. And we're back to square one. And, and, and so I, I'm praying, I, I'm saying all these things. That, uh, and he stops me, he says, son, when are you going to ask me for something? 
and I said, Lord, I don't know what to ask for. I start looking around the room and, and, and obviously it's a church full of empty chairs. One thing about preachers and pastors, we hate empty chairs, right? We rebuke them. We don't like them, but actually they're opportunities. Actually, they're opportunities for people's lives to be changed. But I start getting clever. I start saying, Lord, I've never seen an empty chair. It's broken leg being healed. We've always had to throw them out. I've never seen an empty chair give its life to Jesus. I start preaching. I start getting fancy. I saw one once an empty chair get baptized, but we had to throw it out. It was no good after that. And he stops me again. I said, Lord, what? And he goes, I can take you around the world, show you millions of pastors and leaders praying that people fill their churches, that people fill their empty chairs. He said, when are you going to pray that my power fills the church? C3 powerhouse. Come on, this is a word for you. I said, Lord, I ask that you, the train of your robe fills this temple, that your power fills this temple. He said, let me tell you something. The power always comes before the people. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power and then you'll become a witness. It's not the other way around. See, the problem is in this world today, this generation, we've got too many witnesses with no power. And he's calling a generation to fall back in love with their first love, with his presence. See, the objective is always the presence of God. It's always the power of God, not the promises. No, that's a byproduct of being in his presence. See, once you fall in love with his presence, it's like that Moses when he says, Lord, I don't want to go unless your presence is with me. The objective is not the promised land. That's a byproduct of being in his presence. Come on, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. All these things are not the objective. It's seek first. It's the seek first lifestyle he's looking for. Come on, it's time. It's time to redig the wells. And I want to give you three points quickly if I can. In Matthew 7, chapter 7, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. And I devote my life to this prayer. I start praying and praying and praying, fasting and praying. It goes on for about a year or two. And I'm praying, 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 calling out altar call after altar call. Nobody's getting healed. Some are probably getting worse. <laughs> Actually, in the town I was from, that was quite common. Pray for someone. Oh, I got worse, Pastor. I got sicker after you prayed. Nah. Serious. You don't know. You have no idea. I, you don't know that I know. And, and, and it felt like handfuls of mud. It felt like clay. And every single one of us comes to a crossroad in our Christian walk. Do we dig the well? Or do we live just a mediocre Christian life? I can go to, I can go to church. I can sing the songs. I can give them my tithes and offerings. But will I really press into the next level that God's got for me? Because as soon as you do, there'll be opposition. There'll be a fight. Come on, but is it worth it today? I'm telling you, it's worth it. The pain, 
and suffering that might last for a moment, it doesn't come close. Come on, to the enjoyment, the fullness of joy, the glory that you'll see in Christ Jesus, that you'll see people healed, saved, set free, your family, just because you decided one day, I'm going to dig the well. Can I encourage you, don't stop now. Come on, you're almost there. Keep on digging. I can already see the cracks appearing in the mud. Through that clay, the water start to seep through those drops. Don't give up. He heals, he sets free and he delivers. Keep on pressing in. I prayed for my niece who had eczema and three days later she got healed. And they came to me and said, the eczema's gone. And I said, really? I was more shocked than they were. I honestly didn't believe it. I was like, really? It's... And, and so I started praying, skin problems that kept, became my thing. Anyone with skin conditions, come forward. Eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, whatever, I, 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 come forward. And then it changed. I, I started seeing people healed of food allergies, different sorts of food allergies, whatever it was. Uh, it didn't matter. They would get healed. Asthma, uh, uh, you name it, it, it just started happening one thing to the next. Allergies, hay fever, it just kept happening. Broken bones, people that were injured in sport. I was praying for them. They were getting healed the next day, going back to soccer training, going back, playing a game. One boy broke his foot on the Wednesday at training and then was playing on a Saturday. Took his cast off, had an x-ray and everything, got completely healed. I became the broken bone guy. I'm like, broken bones, broken bones. Anyone broken bones? Broken bones. Come forward now if you've got broken bones. Keep on digging the well. And I found myself at this conference, and this girl comes forward. Oh, I, I, actually, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was just attending it. It was at an enjoy, it was their conference. And I was in the second row. I, I wasn't even on the glory row. I was just sitting in the second there. I, I wasn't. I wasn't, I was just a campus pastor. The pastor gets up and says, hey, we're going to go for lunch. It was that session, you know, everyone goes to lunch. Uh, um, but there's, uh, we're all going to go for lunch. But there's a guy here, his name's Daniel. He's seen a few healings. He'll pray for anybody that wants to get prayed for. And can I be honest with you? I felt like lunch. I was just going to put it out there. I wanted to go to lunch too, just as much as the next person. But you know how many people lined up for prayer? 1,100 people lined up. That was the entire conference. They lined up this way across the stage, all across the building, all the way around. But the first person they bring to me was a girl in a wheelchair. And to make matters worse, she's convulsing violently and making noises, I don't know, twisted. And they bring her down the front. And I can feel the faith leaving the room. I don't know if you've had any experience praying for people before. But if you're like me, I don't know. I feel like I have to warm up just a bit. Just like give me a, a block notes. We can, <laughs> give me an ingrown toner. We can pray for that. Not the girl in the wheelchair first. I mean, come on. I'm just a person. And she's convulsing violently. They bring her up here. They stand her before me. I said, I said, what's the problem? I asked the parents. They said, she's got Lyme's disease. I said, I've never heard of it. And so I, I, I said, Lord, you've got to help me. I don't know what's going on. She can't walk. She can't communicate for, for 
Three, two and a half years, she's been bound to this wheelchair, clothed, bathed. They spent like twenty to 50000 on hospital visits and doctors trying to get an answer. They don't know what's wrong, what's happening to her. I said, Lord, I need an answer. And, and I go to pray for her. And she's staring at me. Have you ever prayed for somebody and they're looking right at you? It's quite intimidating. I don't know. Like Gen Z, alphas, <laughs> millennials, they don't know how to receive anymore. And when they do that, you don't know where to put your hand. You're like, and you try and help them. No, didn't work. Lord, help me. I said, be still in the name of Jesus. She hits the ground, still looking at me. She says to me, do you realize what you've done? I said, I think so. She said, can I get up? And I said, of course. She jumps to her feet, starts screaming at the top of her lungs. She takes off, she does three laps of the platform, back and forward, back and forward. Then she takes off, she does three laps of the building. She comes back and under her wheelchair, she's got her running shoes. I said, what have you got there? She said, three and a half years ago, I used to be a marathon runner. And she goes, but I've been bound to this wheelchair ever since. And God showed me last night, I had a dream. He said, take your running shoes tomorrow. You're going to run again. She said, I'd never met her. We'd never met each other. She said, there's a man there tomorrow who has the authority to set you free. You're going to run again. You're going to run again. And I want to tell you something, church. She has not stopped running. She runs to church every day. She runs back and forward every day. Come on, somebody. Give God the praise. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Ask. I liken this to the outer court of Solomon's temple. You have the wash bowls. You have the uh, acacia. It's an uh, uh, inlaid altar for sacrifice. And most of our prayer lives are, are summed up by this outer court. We come to prayer and we say sorry again. Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Lord, I've sinned again. Wash your hands. I wash my hands. Lord, what is the penalty? What is the price I must pay? I, I bring my atonement again. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The sad thing is so many Christians live their Christian prayer life in that outer court. We spend time there. Every day we go there. Every week we go there. Maybe once a year we go there. Sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Would you? I'm filthy, I'm dirty, I, I, I'm a sinner, I'm horrible. And then we go amen and shut the door and then we leave. But God has so much more for you. He's inviting you in. Come, come, come away with me. Come, he's saying, into the throne room. Boldly come into the throne room of grace so that you may what? Obtain. Not to complain. <laughs> See, he's calling you to the inner court. He's calling you to the throne room of grace. But so many of you people use that throne room as a place to complain. But he says, you will obtain. What will you obtain? The answers, the ability, the authority. 
So you don't have all authority, you have access to it. And once you understand who you are in Christ, once you understand His will and His purpose and His uh, appointment for you, that you have access by Jesus Christ, by means of the Holy Spirit, in that place you will obtain the answers to distribute on this planet. He's calling you into the, into the temple. It's called the holy place. And in that holy place, you have, what do you have? A menorah. You have, a, you have the showbread, 12 loaves of bread replenished every Shabbat, every Sabbath, right? What is that for? It speaks of his, his provision, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And it, the menorah lights the path down to the gold inlaid incense altar. This is where the sacrifice is made. This is the holy place. And if you're a worshiper, you'll understand this place. Any worshipers here, you get caught up in this moment. If you've been in this place, you start crying. You're crying more. And someone's trying to shove a tissue in your hand, but you're actually having the best time of your life. <laughs> I'm not sad. I love Jesus. <laughs> right? And you're rolling around on the carpet. So you stop asking more and you start hearing more. His plan for your life, His appointment for your life. What's the will? What is your plan for my life? This is where the gifts are poured out in this place. When you seek Him, seek Him in the holy place. And it says here that the gold inlaid incense, so what's that? It says, Psalm 141, your prayers are like incense. It's a sacrifice. This is where the price is paid. Come on, if it's not worth anything, it has no weight or value in heaven. Who's prepared to pay that cost? Oh, I thought it was all free. No, grace is free, but everything after that will cost you something. Are you prepared to do what it takes today to dig the well, to see your family saved? Come on, to see this generation reached, this community. Come on, healed, saved, delivered, and set free. And finally, if the band could come, final point here today is knock. Knock. Which I, it's not the realm of knock. It's not the prayer of knock. It's really the realm of agreement. Because once you understand who you are in Christ, once you understand the authority, Come on, it's not just woe is me. And every time I go to seek Him, every time I go to uh, ask Him that I, woe is me, I'm no good, I'm a filthy, rotten sinner, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's time to get up. Come on, although you fall, get up again, get up again. It's time. It's time to redig the wells. It's time to agree again. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do in heaven. What's the will of the Father? Well, Jesus points it out. I only do what I see the Father do. And what is that? What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He cleansed the leper. He raised the dead. He healed, it says, all who came to him were healed with but a word. He's your healer, Jehovah Jireh. He's your provider, Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He's the one who sets you free today. And he is here right now. But you've got to agree with something. You've got to agree that he's good. Every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. 
He's not the one who caused the problem in your family, the separation, the divorce, the sickness in auntie, uncle, mum, whatever, dad. He didn't cause the cancer. You can search all of heaven. There's no sickness there. There's no divorce there. There's no bankruptcy there. You can search all of heaven. There's only goodness and mercy and grace. There's no sickness in heaven. He didn't cause the problem. God is good. He is worthy to be praised. It's time to understand that. It's the realm of agreement. See, once you agree him, I'm, with Him, I'm telling you, your world will change. James 5, 13 says, Is any, anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him go to chemist warehouse. Their prices are unbeatable. I mean, no, seriously, they have, they have a bulk buying, buying, buying power. You can't, no, no, they have, honestly, they, no, they have Zyrtec on special at the moment. It's a 70 pack for $29.90. You can't get that anywhere else. It's a great deal. It doesn't say that. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Not the apostles, not the evangelists, just the people of the church, the elders. This is a direct commandment. Come on, if anyone wants to argue whether or not healing's for today, this is a direct command from James to the church. You're called to pray for the sick. And he says, and the prayer of faith. says, anoint them in oil, and the prayer of faith will set them free. You know that word prayer of faith is only mentioned twice in the Bible. It's called yukai. It means to vow. It means to declare. It means to command. Listen to me, church. When I pray for the sick, I'm not, I'm not having a conversation with a sick person. I'm not having a conversation with the sickness. I'm not having a conversation with the disease. I'm not having a conversation with a demon. I'm not having a conversation. No, I'm speaking to it. I'm commanding it. I'm declaring over their life, you will be made well. You will be healed. Come on, I'm telling you something. When you come into agreement with God, you understand who you are in Christ and the authority that you have in Christ. You no longer have conversations with the enemy. Come on, you speak to it, just like Jesus spoke to the fig tree. And you curse it and you command it in Jesus' name, be removed. Come out of the body. Be totally healed and set free. Would you stand to your feet all across this place? And I want to sing a song. But today, 